What started as a case of video voyeurism, it leads to leads to investigation about a student being molested. And check this out, though, the molester is a is the principal. This is twisted, a Law and Order SVU podcast. You are now listening to Twisted, a Law and Order SVU podcast, where we recap and break down past episodes of Law and Order SVU. You can hear us out on Spotify, Anchor FM, WordPress, or and any other streaming service. And now here's your host, Brian Rose. Welcome to Twisted, a Law and Order SVU podcast where I recap episodes of Law and Order SVU. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is BD Rose, or you could call me Brian Rose. And check this out. This is the season finale of my podcast. And also, though, this is going to be like the... I'm wrap, we're wrapping up episodes of season five. So before I get into it, though, I just wanted to say that... Um, Recently, I was looking on to Twitter, which is which is now called X, and they have photos of um. Before I want to get well, well, excuse me. Before I get into that, you know, I mean, uh, they were supposed to st- uh, start the television season uh, this uh, at this time, but they're not doing that because production got shut down because of the writer strike and the actor strike. So it's been going on. So there's no. There's no, there's no production on these TV shows have been canceled or postponed for now because of that though. So there's because in other words, so this August they're supposed to be shooting the new season on TV shows, including Law and Order SVU, but that's going to be delayed because of the writer strike and the actor strike. And you know, I mean, but that doesn't stop these. Um, I know these actors are they be on picket lines. But, you know, some of them, though, they just want to go in and, and, enjoy, and enjoy themselves. So I recently went to social media and you see that um, Mariska Hargitay, who plays um, Olivia Benson, though, she was spotted at a Taylor Swift concert with her foster daughter. And there's pictures to prove it. I mean, you could go to Twitter, which is now called X. That sounds like a damn corn por- porno stuff like shit. Like, I don't know. I mean, she's having a good time, you know. I mean, when she's not, she's not shooting SVU. I mean, shoot, it's like a long hiatus because of the riot strike, and she's oh yeah. By the way, Mariska Hargitay is promoting these little um, bracelets and all that stuff, though. I mean, mm, I mean, that ain't gonna stop her. I mean, and uh, I don't know what Ice T be doing, but Orange, didn't you notice that um, on August eleventh, twenty twenty three? was the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. It all started in the Bronx back in 1973 with Cool Herc was throwing a party at um, in the building, and he was doing, um, you know, turntables and scratching and all that stuff, and, um, and B-Boys dancing. I mean, a revolution was born, so I've been missing out on that because I've been busy working, but I just want to say happy 50th anniversary hip-hop. Now... 
I don't want I don't want to talk further. No, I want to give you the goodies like Ciara. So we're gonna be redoing the this is a, this is like the last episode of season five of SVU, and this is this is based on a real life case. So it has something to do with the it's a it's it's a principle and it's it's a principle's lust for student. So let's get into today's let's get into today, today's episode. All right, so this is a Law and Order SVU, Season 5, Episode 25, Head, and it aired on NBC on May 18th, 2004. So this is the season finale, all right? It is written by Dawn DeNoon and Lisa Marie Peterson, and it's directed by Juan J. Capanella. Oh, yes, yes, Capanella. Sounds like cafe shit like that. I mean, Capanella, oh, Cabanella sounds like Italian or something like that. I don't know what it is though. Anyway, so um, okay, we're at the um, pre-credit sequence. It's like um, a cold open, right? So we at a cafe, and a customer comes in the cafe, and there's people doing in there, busy with their laptops and all that shit. Though, I mean, I mean, I think Chromebook didn't exist yet though, because I mean, it's 2004, so they're probably using a regular laptop and stuff like that though. So this female customer, right? She orders some coffee and stuff like that, though. And next thing, next thing you know, though, she heads to the ba- She asks where the bathroom is, and then they tell her where it is. So, so on, she's on her way to the bathroom. Then she gets a call from somebody. So she answers the phone, and next thing you know is that she's in um, yeah, she's in the bathroom talking to somebody on the phone. And next thing you know is that it's over some business. And next, and then the next thing that we noticed that she accidentally drops the phone in the toilet. And she was like, damn it. Next thing you know, she tried to, um, she tried to um, retrieve her cell phone and she she's worried that, that, um, that the phone will be ruined and then because um, and the batteries will die and the phone will get wet. And as soon as she, as soon as she retrieves her phone, she notices a thing on the toilet, and uh, and you and she was like, "What the hell is this?" And check this out: it's a spy camera, girl. You being recorded. <laughs> so the female so the female customer discovers a mini spy a mini spy camera and stuff like that on the toilet. Though I mean, she's being recorded. Oh my goodness. So it's later on in the day, and Benson and Sibler at the crime scene, and you got um, Morales from Taru, and you know, he, he tells them it's a it's a digital spy camera. So, so somehow it turns out that the perp came in and just probably recorded the stuff though, and and they say that the camera will last, and then see the camera recording will last about two to four hours till the battery runs out. So probably is that the perp. They thinking that the perp was recording, um, or recording it maybe about maybe thirty to fifty, thirty to fifty feet away. So Benson Slaver, so Benson and Sabler, they come out of the bathroom and they looking for the perp, and they see like a bunch of people on their laptops. So, um, so Benson was like, "How can we tell we're gonna find the find the perp?" And and Sabler was like. The one who downloaded the most crap, 
<laughs> man, man. Or in other words, though, he downloaded a bunch of shit. I mean, so this this damn um, creepy recording, doing some video voyeurism and stuff like that, because he want to look at women's asses or women's pussies. Or I don't know what it is, though. Okay, so we go through the opening credits, right? And we're at the squadron right now, and Captain Kragen asks, where are we on the potty perv? So, Benson Stabler just giving a rundown of this person and stuff like that, and he has been seen and stuff like that. And Doctor Wong thinks that the customer is this. this Doctor Wong thinks that the guy is antisocial and he's probably been abused when he was young and all that stuff though. And Craig was like, "Don't even want to go there." So they're trying to find this guy, right? So, however, though, much right there, he says that um, he mentioned something about a spy camera, and he shows in the picture saying. You gotta go 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 find that guy who comes from the store. So we're at we're at I Spy Electronics, and you got the bosses there though. They showed them the, all these um digital cameras and stuff like that though, and um they and Munch and Finn asked um the guy the owner saying he knows about this little spy cam and stuff like that though, and he tells him that uh, he has an employee named Charlie and it will will show him show him. So we go into this room. And Munch and, Munch and Finn speak to Charlie, and we have a who's that girl? Who's that girl? Excuse me. We have a who's that girl? So who is the actress that's playing uh, Charlie, the camera girl? Parts are from various kits. No serial numbers, really no way of tracing it. Did you put it together? Look, I do so many custom jobs, it's really hard to keep it all straight. Charlie, unless this is a cleverly disguised camera... That information should be in here, right? <clears throat> yeah, that happens to be actress, comedian, Amy Sedaris. And you remember her from the Comedy Central sketch comedy show Ex- Exit 57 back in the 1990s. And she also appeared on another Comedy Central series called Strangers with Candy, as you remember her. And she'd been on shows like Bo- Bojack Horseman and The Unbreakable Kimmy Smith. And she's been in these uh, Star Wars series, The Modern Dorian, and The Book of Boba Fett, though. And recently, you know, she starred in her own show called At Home with Amy Sedaris. And she shows you all the cookings and all the arts and crafts and all that, all that shit and all that stuff, though. So, in this episode, she plays Charlie, the spy girl, right? the spy lady, right? So, um, much of Finn are in the room with um, Charlie, and she told... She tells them that um, she says that they sold it, and then Finn, Finn was like, "How many itty bitty cameras you got there?" And Charlie's five girl answered like, "We sold like five thousand five hundred in the past year." And much told told her earlier that the camera's waterproof, so they're trying to figure out who ordered the um, little little itty bitty camera stuff like that. I like the line where Finn says, "How many any how many." Enemy cameras you stole and stuff like that. I don't know. Anyway, so anyway, Charlie tells him that several months ago, a guy came in and ordered a a, a camera, just like the one that they, they suspected earlier, though. And on the computer, it says that the person who ordered the camera was a guy named F. E. Tishman. However, Munch finally breaks it down. Tell him it's Peter. 
fetish man. So we're at the we're at the we're outside the brownstone and this and um, they and they shooting some kind of a movie or a TV show or something like that though. And Finn and Stabler are there and they see the words fetish man. But you know what they doing? What they doing at the shoot? They discovered that it's a porn shoot. So yo, so so Stabler and Finn they talk to some production assistant assistant and. Uh, about the website, and then all of a sudden, you know, he sees a couple of these, um, a couple of these actors come into the come into the set, and um, one of the actors that turns out to be Ice T's wife, Coco. Your call was a half an hour ago. Get your asses in there. Keep your pants on. We're coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that happens to be, be Ice T's wife, Coco, right? And let me give you a little information about Coco, right? Look at this. Yo, man. You see, you see a little white girl, little white girl, a porn star holding hands with a dwarf. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say dwarf, you know, you know, he's like, um, physically challenged, so excuse me. Anyway, so, um, speaking about Coco, though, I mean, she married Ice-T Ice back in 2001, and they have a child together. I mean, I seen Ice T's daughter. I mean, she, she looked like an alien. I, oh no, no, no. She resembles no, no. She resembles her father. You know. So anyway, so they both had a reality show together back in um, early 2010s. I think it was 2012 or something like that. Though I think it's Ice Love. I remember that. So Ice loves Coco. Please, um, I, 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 you know, Ice T liked that damn vanilla. <laughs> And speaking about Coco, though, she's like a model, pinup girl. I mean, you see, look at that. Look, look at the white girl with the big old booty. I mean, come on, y'all. I mean, she, at first, you know, Coco wasn't interested in Ice-T, but, you know, he made his moves. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm going to say Ice-T likes white women, so he's a sellout. <laughs> Just kidding. Nah, nah. So anyway, though, she plays a porn star and, you know, she, um, it's a cameo, it's a cameo appearance. So next, you know, she comes on the set holding a, holding a dwarf's hand and, you know, the production assistant or excuse me, production manager tells him, come on, you late, you're late. And Coco's like, keep your shirt on, I'm coming. <laughs> and so Sailor puts up his badge and he was like, what are you shooting there? And you know the production manager says porn. It's barely legal, and it's make a lot of money, so, anything like that. Though, so however, though, I mean, you know the production assistant. I mean, his name is Gil. He tells them about this website called Fetish Man, and they say that um, they and doing they're doing a new way of porn. It's like live streaming twenty four seven. So nowadays, you know, you can do it live on the internet. I mean, that was back in two thousand four. So nowadays, you know, you got these porn sites, you know, like um, X Videos and um, X Hamster and Pornhub and all that shit, man. And nowadays, you know, they doing porn live because they doing these all these webcams, like as of today. And it's like live porn, you know. You see like women jerk, master playing with themselves and masturbating, and you know, I'm not gonna go further anything like that though. So they doing this. So back in 2004, they got this new thing called doing porn live stream 24-7 and stuff like that. It's like a cash cow, anything like that, though. So 
Anyway, so he and the reception assistant also tells him about the website, and then he gets a call from one of his um, bosses or one of his crew members, and he answered it on through the walkie-talkie, like copy that. And then he, before he goes inside, though, on the door it says "hot set," so they tell him that the important is like a cash cow, you know, like beatishish voyeurism and and all that cam stuff like that, cash cows. So we're back at the precinct right now. Munch is on the computer, and Munch was like, can you believe this? Fetish, fetish, old fetish man has like a thousand videos every day or something like that, though. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And, you know, Finn is on the phone telling him about the business and everything like that, though. And next thing you know, Kragen shows up with um, this dude, right? He works next door to the cafe. So... He, he t- and it turns out that the guy saw the perp. So this guy, this dude in the glasses, say he works next door to the cafe. He says that as soon as he got it, as soon as he got out of the cab, he sees that the guy just shoved him and then got in the cat the cab. And next thing you know is that he spilled some coffee on him. So it turns out that the um, coffee it occurred a cup of coffee, you know, so that's where the place where the perp was at. So. However, though, it turns out that the cat, cat passenger, though, he saw the perp, you know, when he was coming out of the cab. And the next thing you know is he just whisked him and shoved him and then jumped into the cab and all that shit, though. And, um, however, Munch asked the guy that, do you have, like, an economy thing or something like that, though? And the, guy, and the cab ride was like, yeah. The passenger was like, yeah, I do. Somehow, they're going to get... So, but much Craig says that they're getting contact to the livery driver to see where the um, perp, uh, perp, perp was dropped off. So, we're at this um, the Nato residence, and Benson and Much though they talk to this white dude who's with no with, with no shirt on. He's getting a tan on the steps, and you know I think he's probably he's probably a resident. So the resident. So Benson and Munch ask him that he actually seen the guy who had he seen the guy who where the cab dropped him off at, and he tells him that this dude named he lives in the apartment. He tells the detectives that this guy lives in apartment one A, and he creeps me out, and you know he be, and he also tells him that he be staring at women's asses or whatever, something like that though. So so Munch and um, so Munch and Benson though they're outside the apartment of uh, Mr. Donato, they knock on the door, and the door opens, and it's Charlie the Spy Girl. And Munch said, Charlie the Spy Girl. And then Mrs. like, you know her? Yeah. I mean, she tried, she was helping us with the investigation, stuff like that, though. And, you know, Charlie tells him that it's her brother, Wade. So, so seconds later, though, then Benson and Munch are in an apartment. They're there talking to Charlie, and she tells him, that um, uh, so that the purpose of brother Wade because he been making some worries and videos and stuff like that though. So, and then she also tells him that he lost his job, dropped out of college, and he's staying with her. And Charlie tells him that Wade has um, some problems. He's trouble. He has some issues and stuff like that. Next thing you know, Munch comes out with a bag full of stuff. He opens the bag, pours the bag, he pours a bunch of videos out, and yo, and most of them are like the warrior videos, like, 
pee, watching women pee and shit, like doing number two, excuse my language and stuff like that, though. Next thing you know is that her brother Wade shows up, and oh my goodness, Muncher, like, I see you, you have a lot of video work. Come with us down to the station, all that stuff, though. So, we're at the prison right now, and Wade is being interrogated, and Stabler gets in his face about, about the old videos, and next thing he knows that, hey, well, why, why are you recording videos? And then Benson tells him that the um, video warriorism is like um, three class B felonies, three felonies, rape felonies, something like that, though. And there were these detectives, they were going to get way for the video warriors and like taking videos of women showing their asses and their pussies and seeming like like that, though. But however, though, and, and next thing you know, Wade wants to make a deal. And um, Stable says, I'm listening. So Wade tells him, go to um, video number 62. Is that a couple of days ago? So. We're in this um we're in this room and you got Morales, the Taru the Taru guy, he's there. Benson Stabler is there, Mush is there, and Finn is also there. So they watched the video that uh, Wade took like a few days ago, and it shows a a young boy coming in the toilet store, not not bathroom store, you know the toilet the toilet store, what you call it though, and he's crying. And he closes the door, he's crying, and next thing he knows, and then Finn was like, oh, no. They and they, they, they realized that it was a kid, it was probably a kid probably being molested. I don't know what it is, though. Next thing he knows, that the kid is crying, he has the bathroom, the toilet door to close, and then next thing you know, he hears a knock. He opens it up, and it's another person coming in, and she's, um humping him and shit like that, though. And it turns out that Wade recorded a sexual assault on the kid and then reported. Oh, so Wade didn't do nothing about it. Damn. So we're at, we're at act two right now. Sabler comes in. Sabler comes in the cell and he confronts Wade. I'm standing right outside. No. Watch it. No, no, I saw it later. Wait, don't lie to me. That's not your M.O. You're like a live show. You saw that whole thing going down? You didn't even help? What was I supposed to do? Help him! Yeah, I told the cops that I caught the whole thing on my toilet cam. Yeah, Sandler comes in and chokes the shit out of his way. Like, he's like, he's like a damn wrestler. Like, wait, Sandler comes in. He was like, who, who you, who, what boy you molested? And Wade was like, what? And Slaver grabs him, we choke him with one hand, and Sable like, and Wade's like, ah, 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 ah. was like, you didn't report the damn, you didn't report the sexual assault, something like that, though. And <laughs> yo, but the way Sable, like, he's like a concerned father, and he is pissed off. I mean, he wanted to, he wanted to kill the damn perp and all that stuff, though. So I mean, Sable confronts Wade, say, I'll tell him that. He, he, you didn't you you, you watch the whole thing and you didn't even report it. And Wade said that he watched it half an hour later. And Sable was like, "Don't lie to me, man. Right? Yeah, you like you like are you are you are you are you a perv or something like that though? And um, you didn't tell nobody. And Wade was like, he did tell the cops that he caught something on the toilet cam. 
So, okay, Sensei was like, when did this happen? So Wade tells him that it, it, the incident happened at Central Park. And Sable asked him, did he see did he, did he see the um, see the perp? And Wade says that he was standing like 30, 50 feet away and he didn't see him. Okay, so um Sable leaves Wade B and stuff like that. I mean, Wade looking like and then Wade, he looking like Harry Potter and shit like that though. So <laughs> I forgot to mention about that though. So we at the tower right now, the um, technical assistance response unit in Morales, right? So they watched the video again about the young boy being molested, and he shows and Morales shows um, much of Finn and about um, they had this digital technology where they could get rid of the grainy footage and all that stuff, and then they could zoom in on who the person is. So. So they watch the video again. And they they see the, the which is right the dude right there. He's humping on um, the young boy, and next thing he knows is that this white thing comes up, up is showing. So they had to like clear it up, and, like get rid of the fuzzy stuff, and the white stuff turns out to be an athletic cup. So it turns out that this boy was um, was playing some soccer because he wore some kind of jersey and all that stuff, though. And they had to take a look at the perp's hands, and then they digitize it and clear it, and it shows that the nails are manicured. So Finn was like, Arma Lesser is a woman! Oh! Okay, so um, we have the squad room right now, and... Uh, they trying to they 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 already figured out that the molester is a female, so turns out that that the kid had was playing a soccer game the other day because he had a jersey, and Finn tell him that um there were two teams playing at the soccer field, I think it was um the Blackhawks I mean they and Finn recognizes the jerseys they're like orange and black so it's probably the Bulldogs or whatever something like that though, so. Turns out that they have a there were a couple of bathrooms nearby at the soccer game, so maybe the kid probably ran ran up though. So, yeah, all they need to do right now they need to speak to uh, someone at the soccer game. Turns out that the kid who was molested, he, he had a soccer game, so they want to go find the kid's soccer coach. And it turns out this kid, he's he he's a student at school, and he's playing at. A soccer team or whatever, so they need to speak to the coach. So we're outside the street right now, and um, and the detectives are talking to a coach, and he he sees the kid in the picture, and he tells him that the kid is identified as Shane Madden, and the coach tells him that Shane was kicked out of the game after he got into a fight, and he also mentions about saying that the her his mother was there, and. It turns out that the mama is like she has a drinking problem, because then you know next thing you know is that um, that fight broke out with uh, Shane with a, a couple of people, and the coach Sullivan the mother tried to step in but she fell and she slipped and fell on uh, some puddle of mud the puddle of mud or something like that though, so turns out that um, the kid goes to uh, this um, goes to junior high school I believe like that though, so. We're at the school right now, and um, there is Shane's playing. Is there is Shane? He's playing some trumpet, something like that, though, in the music room. And outside the music room, Benson and Stabler is talking to Shane's principal. Shane's principal, 
Meredith Rice. Now, who's that girl playing the um, Principal Rice? What happened? You're gonna need to talk to his parents. Just a mother. I use the term loosely. So you know about her problem? She came to speak to the kids on career day. It was horrible. Great lesson on the perils of drinking, though. Yeah, yeah. That happens to be actress Stacey Edwards. And she's a B-movie actress until she made her breakout roles in The Company of Men with Aaron Eckhart. And she appeared in soap operas and numerous television shows. And she appeared in movies with primary colors and with John with John Travolta. It's based on the Bill Clinton and all that stuff, though. So she plays Principal Meredith Rice. And we're going to have a story on her because this is going to shock you. But we're not going to tell that, though. So she plays Principal Rice. So Principal Rice is talking to Benson Stabler. She tells him that she's um, she points to Shane, who is playing... Uh, the trumpet, and Benson asked Mrs. Rice is that they could talk to Shane privately, and um, Principal Rice was like, you could use my office, be my guest. So, we're in the next scene, and um, Benson Stabler is talking to Shane about uh, about his abuse, and he refuses to talk, and Shane was like, I don't know what you're talking about, and Benson Stabler is like, if you, you don't have to be scared, though. I mean, they try to do um, talk to him, saying you don't have to be scared. You just something you don't even know. And next thing you know, Shane gets up and says, "You guys suck!" And then he storms out, storms out of the principal's office. <laughs> he said he was he he go around boldly saying, "You guys suck." It's like he met, telling him about. And you are you calling Benson Stabler suck? Listen, they're like it's the, it's they're like the hottest TV show in the century. I mean, it's like two thousand four. It's it's like it's like a student. He was like, "You you guys suck." Saying, "I don't like your show, anyways." Yo, why are you disinvesting the same before? I mean, they they got the hottest they got they got the hottest show in two thousand four, and they still the and SVU is still the hottest show as of today. Oh my goodness. Shane stormed out of the office, and let me tell you, look, tell you about Shane, man. He looked like a blonde beach zoo, right? I'm not gonna say he's like James Vanderbeek or whatever. I don't know what it is, but um, he looking like um, he he looking look like a say a, a California beach surfer dude. I mean, he got the platinum blonde hair. He looking like one of them characters in the movie Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And his hairstyle is like 2004 and shit like that, though. I mean, he dresses in, like, 70s attire, like, skateboard attire, attire, man. Damn. Anyway, he look like, look like he got tan. He looking like he's Oopa Loopa from Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. So, you know, Principal Rice comes in, and she was like, what happened? So, Benson and Stabler asked, where is Shane's parents? And she also mentioned something about the mother, and she has like a drinking, and she, Principal Rice also mentioned that Shane's mother has a drinking problem. And um, she tell, she mentions that, uh, that Shane's mother showed up on career day. It was horrible or something like that, though. So, Benson, you know, Stabler asks, where does uh, Shane's mother works? She tells him, she tells them that Shane's mother is like a beautician 
at this place called Creme de la Crop. <laughs> Sounds like a, a French dessert or some shit like that, man. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so we're at this place called Creme de la Crop, and um, and you know it's like um, that's the, that's Shane's mama right there. She's like a beautician or something like that, though. So um, they. They asked her about well, where, where, where she was, where she was at the soccer game, and um, they and they mentioned to ask for Shane's mother's hands, and and Shane's mom was like, "What are you implying?" And Betsy is able to suspect that she probably um, uh, uh, abused her son, stuff like that, and or she or did she follow him to the bathroom? Shane's mother said that she used another bathroom. And and then, then after had a drink afterwards, until Shane came and found her and dragged her ass away. Mm. So um, they ask her if the Shane's been having some problems with if a other woman abused him, and Shane's mother also mentions about um, saying that Shane fired his babysitter a while ago, and um, so. And then they had to talk to her. So, Munch and Finn talked to Munch and Finn talked to Shane's former babysitter, and um, they um, and then she tells him that she's not interested. She's not interested in um, Shane and stuff like that. Though I mean, she says that she likes older men, so that rules her out as, as a suspect. However, though Shane's uh, babysitter also mentions that when his mother when his mother gets drunk, though. She be lusting at the the boys. <laughs> oh, so there's here's something though. So, so we at the squad room. So they're trying to look into Shane's mother, and they trying to figure out if she uh, um, abused him or molested him after after some drinking and all that stuff though. So they think her mom's a suspect, and investigately so. Stable also mentions that the mother got drunk and she showed up at a neighbor's residence and pounding the door at 3 a.m. in the morning, but buck naked. Oh, my goodness. Because they, they thinking that whether Shane's mother drinks, so she be eyeing on little boys and shit like that. I mean, come on. That's some crazy. So they also mentioned that uh, Shane's that Shane has... Um, some a soccer game coming up tomorrow, so they're trying to see them. And then his mom's their mom, his mom is gonna be there, so they want to go and look into it, though. Okay, so we're at Central Park right now, and they have a soccer game going on around here. Much of Finn, much of Finn are there at the park in their civilian clothes, and they approach this woman with a sweater on, and they 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 talk to her, and then she turns around and um. And her sweater says "Soccer Mom," which much in which much says. So, they all all they do is they have a soccer game. It's like not part of the school, but it's part of like um program and all that stuff, though. And so, so uh, and the next thing you know, Benson Stabler is talking to Shane's mother, and Shane's mama is just getting wasted. I mean, she's happy, but she's probably been drinking too, and then. And then Shane's mom was like, I'm here to support my little man. Woo! Then Stabler tells her, hey, you'll be happy when you're sober. 
and Shane Marvel's, Marvel's like, screw you. So Benson steps up and asks her if she could look at her drink. Next, and next thing you know, Shane's mom pours some some liquid out of the cup and pour it on the ground. She was like, "Oops!" And Benson was like, "Yo, you know, I'm gonna arrest you on obstruct- obstruction and stuff like that." Though, next thing you know, while Benson was talking to Shane's mom, Stabler sees um, Principal Rice talking to um, Shane, and next thing you know, is she goes over to talk to. Um, uh, another another kid with brunette ha- hair. So, Sabler tells Benson, I mean, Principal Rice, which got the, what is, Benson was like, what is she doing? What is Principal Rice doing here? And Sable's like, maybe she likes the young, young man in uniform. <laughs> so, they're trying to look into the wife. So, Benson and Sable, so we're at Act 2 right now, and Benson and Sabler talk to Principal Rice, and with this guy who turns out to be her stepson, and and I think it was um I think the I think I forgot his name. I mean, but he's like fourteen years old, and he's like two years older than Shane. So so they have a, so Benson and Sable have a short conversation with Mrs. Rice and with her stepson, and um, she she and uh, Mrs. Rice tells tells him that she's not into soccer. And the stepson was stepson was like, what are you talking about? You've been here every day. So after the priest conversation, we go back to the precinct and they go to they go they look into Principal Rice and it turns out that she has no criminal record and she was like teacher of the year and she and a few till and a few years ago she got promoted to principal and she's married and has a husband. So, and then she did a lot of volunteer work. So, she, I mean, she like popular with the kids and all that stuff, though. So, all we gotta, gotta do is that, that we have to look into um, Principal Rice and her family. So, Cragen tells Finn to go talk to her stepson, and then, um, and then, and Cragen orders um, Stabler to talk to um, yeah, Shane and see what he got out of him, though. So we're outside uh, IS forty one, and Finn is talking to Miss um, Principal Rice's stepson, the fourteen year old kid, and then he tells him that his stepmom is nice and everything like that. Though, meanwhile, Sable asks Shane is talking to Shane in the um, classroom, and he asks him about his rela- relationship with Mrs. Rice, and he doesn't give out lady uh, personal details, but I mean, he just like she's nice, and then he don't, like he don't want to talk about it. I mean. Is he protecting Principal Rice in some sort of way? I don't know what it is, though. So we go back to Finn having a conversation with um, Principal Rice's stepson. And the stepson tells Finn that her her stepmom and her father have been fighting and all that stuff, though. So... There's something ain't right going on around here. I mean, I mean, this is family life. There's something not not right with the family going on around here. So we're inside the school, and Benson, Stabler, Munch, and Finn get together, and um, they want to talk. They want to go talk to various teachers about Principal, Principal Rice and Shane, because they found out they found some ill information about the um, Principal Rice's home life. So they're gonna talk to a couple people. So. 
So, so the detectives, though, they talk to various teachers, and one teacher tells them that um, Shane was pulled out of class from the principal and and all the other stuff. And then next thing you know is that um, another teacher says that um, that the principal has been um, had, had using some using using another person for her signatures. So we're at some kind of some office or faculty office, and there's this lady behind the counter. So Benson asked her about she, she wanted to look at um, Principal Rice's signatures, and Benson reads it, and she noticed that Principal Rice had been sloppy with her handwriting, because the first one that you know the you know that's script by the way, I write script okay, and I'm good, I'm good at writing script, and somehow the Principal Rice though. She writes normal script, but recently though she been scribbling and stuff like that. So there's something off with the uh, principal Rice's handwriting. It's like scribbles and stuff like that though. And um, the lady tells Benson, it "Looks like she's been sloppy with her paperwork." So Benson asked the um, employee, well, "Where's um, the principal Rice?" And she tells him that she had to go home, family emergency. So. We're at the Rice residence, and Stabler is talking to Mr. Rice, and um, I figured that, I, and I recognize this actor. I mean, this the actor who played Mr. Rice is um, Chris Potter. Mr. Rice, have you had any contact with your wife? Just tell me. She in some kind of danger? One of her problem students. Mr. Rice has your marriage. Well, what? What are you talking about? We heard you were fighting. That's none of your business. Well, actually, it might be at the time that your wife left school, a young man, a student, also wouldn't miss it. So what, you, you think he kidnapped her? We think she kidnapped him. Yeah, that, that happens to be Chris Potter. And you might remember him on the TV series Kung Fu, The Legend Continues. And he co-starred with the late, great David Carradine. And it's sad that guy how he went out and all that stuff though. But he played the, um, he was on that show. And he's from Canada, you know. For your information, that's a trivia. He's he's he was born in Toronto, and um, he appeared in Silk Stockings, and he appeared in multiple television shows, and he also appeared in Heartland in Canada. So he plays. So in this episode, he plays um, Meredith's husband, Mr. Rice, and. Stabler is talking to him, and turns out that um, Stabler tells in the news that uh, his wife was molesting, uh, molesting Shane, oh, a little bo- a little boy, and Mister Rice was like, oh, "What you, what you talking about? That's a bullshit though." And then Stabler, and then and before that, Stabler asked him that you, and that he got word that him and his wife were fighting. And Mr. Wright was like, that's not your business. And then Stabler tells the news that uh, she ran off and um, um, and molested her students. And Mr. Wright was like, that's some bullshit. And, just, and then Stabler asked him, is there anything going on between, between uh, your wife and your son? And next thing you know, Mr. Rice tries to slug Stabler, and next thing you know that he pins him against the wall, grabbing him, putting him, putting his arms and stuff like that, though. And then yo, oh, man. And then next thing you know, it's like it's crazy, though. Oh my goodness. And Mr. Rice tells him that she has changed, 
and she t- he tells Stabler that the the wife uh, his wife grabbed the car and took it. So he has a feeling that he's um he has a feeling that um his wife has changed and she's not interested in him, and he has a feeling that he's uh, she's into like boy like a damn pedophile little boys and shit like that though. So we go back to the squad room right now. Kragen bust Burton bust bust in with his captain clothes on, and they got ambulance work going wrong on going on. They're trying to find Shane and Principal Rice, so they have a feeling they probably is are together. So, and um, and you're totally know Winston White. You know his wife ran off with her student, and um, you know Shane and the teacher are missing. However, though they are spotted. Finn just got tipped and say they're in Parsippany, New Jersey. So they go over across the river to New Jersey, and police cars showed up, and they find they find um, Mrs. Principal Rice with with um, with oh Shane, and that's you know is that Benson puts her in handcuffs and arrests Mrs. Rice for Principal Rice for sexual assault. So we at the precinct right now, and Mrs. Principal Rice is being interrogated, and um, she tells State Detective Stabler that, uh, that she she had this impulse and she couldn't stop, and then next thing you know is like, um, and next thing you know is just she just like blacked out. I mean, she had these urges and all that stuff though. So next thing you know is that um, Stabler comes at her, she stands up. And then all of a sudden, Principal Rice kisses Stabler, and Stabler's like, no, nah, no, nah, don't do that. Next thing you know, Principal Rice grabs Stabler's ass. He's like, come on, get, let's get it on. I want to suck your dick. <laughs> and Stabler just pushes her off, and Principal Rice hit her head against the damn wall or the window, and then she collapses and has a seizure. And Detective Stabler notices it, and he's like, go get an ambulance, get an ambulance. So we're at the hospital right now, and Benson Stabler is there, and um, Benson tells him it just happened. It wasn't your fault, though, and you did your job. And then next thing you know is here comes Mister IB Sergeant Tucker shows up. That's played by Robert John Burke, and he goes after Stabler hard, going on his ass, saying you're you're in big you're in deep shit right now, though. And Tucker asks Stabler. They tells him, asking him what, why he would, tells him that um, he was suspended four years ago because he told uh, he it's a shrink that he wanted to kill the uh, kill the kill the perps, and Stay was like thought about it but never did it, and Tucker was like, "You're getting real close to the edge," and you know I mean this dude is like an look like an asshole stuff like that though, and as soon as Tucker leaves, a doctor shows up. It turns out that Mrs. 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 Rice has a brain tumor. Oh my goodness! So we at the, um, I think we're at the uh, another part of the hospital, and Novak is there, and um, Novak asks the doctor if Mrs. Miss Principal Rice should be arraigned on charges of sexual assault on a minor or stuff like that. So, however, though, it's like doctor was like. Nah, I don't know something like that though. I mean, she has a brain tumor. So, however, though the doctor shows um Meredith's brain tumor because it shows you on one side it was like red. It says that the tumor is large and 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 the other side is like normal. So it's like 
It's, it's like maybe nine, maybe a nine. I don't know what is going on around here, though. So, however, though, we're at the squad room, and it turns out that Novak and Mr. Sabre, they say that a few other boys came forward against Principal Rice. I don't know for, like, molestation, sexual assault. I don't know what is going on around here, though. So, next thing you know, we have Dr. Wong. She talks to Mrs. Principal Rice, and she's about to have um, her brain scanned before she had the surgery. And as you know, she got a bandana around the head because they want to do a CAT scan, in other words, before she does the surgery. So, she tells Dr. Wong that she had this urges when she was a child, and she remembers she was being um, uh, uh, mentioned something about her grandfather. And so it turns out that, um, and then next thing you know, she was like, she had the urges when she was like eight years old. And it all started with her grandfather, in other words. Uh, so after the surgery, we had the scrub room and they had the results of Mrs. Rice's test. Turns out that his her CAT scan, her brain was back to normal after the tumor was removed. So Dr. Wong stated that, that probably that, that, that Principal Rice was probably molested as a child. So, however, though, it's um, Novak. Novak is worried that the tumor, tumor, tumor might come back because they also mentioned about a case about a guy who said he, he was a molester and he had his brain removed. And then the next thing you know is that at, after... The tumor came back, he molested again, became a sex offender. So Novak is worried about Mr. Mrs. Rice's tumor might come back, in other words, though. So we're in this office right now, and Novak is there talking to Mrs. Rice, who also has a lawyer, and they mentioned something about a plea deal and get like a restraining order, stuff like that, though. So, in other words, so we're back at the school. We're at the rooftop right now, and Shane is playing the um, trumpet alone and the step the detective stabler comes up and they have a talk you know and shane feels bad that um that the principal rice's and princess rice is trying to go to jail and shane admitted that they he has feelings for her and like he loves her so <laughs> no wonder why he's not he want he want to talk to the Benson Stabler because he had, he had a relationship with her and he didn't want to rat, rat, out, rat her out or snitch on her because he, he was just trying to protect her. And now he feels bad feeling like he want to commit suicide because the principal rights is going away and she's going to be registered as a sex offender, sex offender and have to keep away from him. But um, Shane has feelings for the principal. I mean, this child is messed up in the head or something like that. I mean, you're dealing with a grown-ass woman. You, you're 12 years old, and you're dealing with a grown-ass woman. That's like that's like freaky stuff. I mean, that's crazy stuff like that, though. So we're back at the squad room, and they're worried about Shane's behavior and his mindset. And Dr. Wong says that Shane could be a sex offender, be, grow up and become a sex offender himself. And he's going to give out low opinions on women and stuff like that, though. So, and it's, Sable's like, cycle abuse just keep going and going. No, no, I think Munch said it, though, or maybe Sable said it. I don't know what it is. But that Dr. Wong, Dr. Wong, you know, he's going to 
he's not going to have a, he worries that Shay's not going to have a good sex life and he's not going to have a good relationship with women because he, he loves, he loves his principal. I mean, Tan, our principal writes his friend in love. I mean, this is, this kid is falling in love with her, love falling in love with her. Like he's not ready and stuff like that. So Benson gets off the phone and, um, and she tells him that, and that Mer- that principal Rice has hasn't has, Rice hasn't changed. She tells him that there has been an incident at the residence where Principal Rice is staying. So we inside this apartment building, and the Benson Stabler talk to this uh, officer. Turns out he tells the officer tells him that, that his partner is with the victim right now, and um, they thinking that uh, Mrs. Rice uh, assaulted the boy, and the boy fought back. But the cop tells him, "You got it all backwards. So it was, it was somebody it was somebody else who slugged her, and it turned out to be Shane's mother. <laughs> and then they, they and then the cop is right there. They probably putting her in handcuffs. And and you know Shane's mother was like, "That perverted bitch is going after my little boy." So Mrs. Rice, they go into the apartment and they find Mrs. Rice. I mean, she got probably like a black guy and shit like that, though. Wandering and she's wandering around though, and um, Mrs. Rice said, "I mean, I I can explain anything. I mean, and then you know Shane's mother was like, she called my boy. Good thing I had to pick up the extension. So it turns out that Shane's mother tracked her down to where Mrs. Rice lives in this apartment and try to and, and just beat the shit out of her and all that stuff though." So Sabler, Benson Sabler tells him that you violated an order of protection. Benson was like, you violated an order of protection. And Sabler was there coming and arrest her. And then next thing you know is that um, Mrs. Wright drops a bombshell saying that she's pregnant. And Shane is the father. <laughs> and um, Shane's mom was like, I want, she's having my baby's baby. I want it terminated. And Mets was like, that's not your decision. And Mrs. Baxter, I don't know what it is. So next thing you know, the sailor puts her in handcuffs and takes her to prison. And Mrs. Principal Rice was like, oh man, I lo- I, I'm, my life's in shambles. I, I lost my husband. My stepson wouldn't even talk to me. I lost my job. And all I wanted is a baby of my own. A baby of my own. Careful what you wish for, huh? <laughs> and that's the end. Executive producer Big Wolf. That's the end of the. That's the end of um, recap of the season five of SVU. So turns out that <laughs> the, the principal lusts after her student, and next thing you know, that she got pregnant by her by a student, and Shane is the father. We didn't see that coming though, so. That was that was a crazy ass episode. Okay, so we're gonna go for this true crime story right now, and this episode was inspired by Mary Kay Latronal case, right? And she made headlines after she was caught having sex with her twelve year old student of Lily Falau and all that stuff, though. So, um, I think as um, I'm. Not, uh, I think was it that's the name? Um, I think it was Falau, Billy Falau. Okay, so I think I got I get it right, right? I get it right. Okay, so here it goes. So um, I think it was back in the nineteen nineties. I think it was like um, 
when she was a teacher at the uh, high school, I think it was, um, I mean, she was very, I think it was, um, all right. So I think it was like in 1996. Um, she got into a, she got into a sexual relationship with a 12 year old student, Billy Falau, right? So it turned from like platonic to sexual. So on June 18th, 1996, police came up upon her in a car with Falau in a Marina parking lot. She was seen jumping onto the front seat while Falau pretending to sleep in the back. She they provided false names and asked for identification. And Falau lied about his age. But it turns out though, um they was it was they was um it was um having a sexual relationship and then Mary Kay Latinow was arrested for um and pleaded guilty to two counts of felony second degree rape, right? So, Falau was twelve years old where he where he had sexual relation with the teacher. So, um, and uh, next thing you know, while waiting her sentencing, she gir- she gave birth to Falau's child, and with the skate of seeing a seven and a half year prison sentence, she reached a plea agreement calling for six months in jail for three months suspended and no contact with Falau for life, among other terms. So shortly after Letra now had completed three months in jail, police caught her in a car with Falau again, and the judge revoked her plea agreement and reinstated the prison sentence for the accident allowed by law for seven and a half years. So Mary Kay Letra now was prisoned for, for six years, and after her release, Letra now and Falau were, got married. Damn, that's some freaky shit. That happened in 2005. And the marriage lasted about like for 14 years until they got separated in 2019. And next thing you know is that the following year, Mary Kay that passed away in 2020. Cancer. That's just crazy shit, though. So that case made national headlines. I mean, married woman dealing with their 12-year-old student. That's some crazy shit. I mean, Mary Kay Latcher now is like a freak. I like she like lesson out to young boys because thinking, look at him, boy, so cute and so sexy. I mean, come on, man. You know how freaky white people are. <laughs> Excuse my language, but like I said, I mean that case gained national attention. I mean, and more re- reputation. I mean, let me tell you something, teachers. You cannot sleep with your students. And they, they gather, there have been cases in which these uh, female teachers, they have these sexual relationships with a student. And I think most of them were female and some of them are male, but that's like, what's wrong with them? I mean, they, they, they it's like perversion going on around here because they thinking that they students are so cute. I mean, that's, that's just crazy. I mean, this is what happens when people work with kids. I mean, oh, that's, I don't want to explain it, though. That's some crazy shit like that, though. I mean, I got to admit, though, when I was a student, though, I was fantasizing about this teacher, too. And um, I had, like, a, a sexual dream on, on this teacher because, I mean, I've had, I have feelings for her and stuff like that, though, but... Um, uh, I'm not going to say the teacher's name, but, you know, I have, like, um, fantasy, I have, I have fan, sexual fantasies, fantasies about her, but I never did it, you know? 
it's just that way. I mean, we're men, you know, sometimes when you, when you're a teenager, I mean, you go through these things. So, uh, so, but I never made my move. I never made my moves on it. So I don't know. Like I said, teachers don't do it. So anyway, you know, this is going to be the last show of the season. And I just want to let you know that I'm going to be taking off in a couple of weeks, do a little vacation. And I'll be back in September with a new season of Twisted, a Law & Order SVU podcast. Yeah, so I was thinking maybe I'll come back I'll come back on probably like on at Labor Day or after Labor Day. So I'm gonna see how see I'm gonna see how it is. So I mean I may I'll just keep you posted. So I might I'll be back on Labor Day to start a new season of Twisted. And then if I do, we're gonna be breaking down episodes of season six of Law and Order SVU. So are you ready about are you ready about that? All right, so uh, I want you to thank y'all for listening and tell me what you think about this episode. Like and subscribe. And Twisted, a Law & Order SVU podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify for podcasters and um, Jetpack slash WordPress and Google Podcast. And like and subscribe. So this is BD Rose and enjoy the rest of your summer. And I'll be back in September. Probably probably Labor Day, whether or or maybe after that, wherever I'm in the mood. So, have a blessed week. I'm out. This is BD Rose. I'm out.